Welcome back to Mathematically Speaking. I'm your host, Adam Allred. And this episode's going to be a little bit different than the normal ones. What you're about to listen to is a conversation that I had with Dr. Nagarath, the CEO of Elephant Learning. And we reach, we, we cover a range of topics. It starts off as just a conversation between me and him, getting to know each other a little bit. And then it shifts into the a, a discussion on the, the gap that um, exists in the public education system right now, the learning gap. And you'll hear a bunch of statistics on how much people don't know and how his company hopes to remedy that that gap with uh, privatized education and his AI-based learning software. So I hope you enjoy the episode. The, re- the rest of the episodes for season two will be released on schedule. Hope you're all staying safe. How about now? Oh, I hear you. There we go. <laughs> that works. Perfect. Well, nice to meet you. Um, it's very nice to meet you. Yes. Uh, this is the first interview I've done for this show. I've done several for others, but this is exciting. Um, <clears throat> it's... I hit record already, so we can start whenever, and I'll cut off when we want to cut off, or I'll cut off the front part, so we don't we don't have to do any formal introduction. Um, um, so let's you can tell me about yourself for a bit, and then I can tell you about myself, so we can get something going, and then we'll head into some sort of discussion. Yeah, sure. So um, let's see. Uh, uh, you, you want to know about, about my background? Yes, yes, please. Yeah. Well, okay, so um, I uh, I got a PhD in uh, mathematics computer science in 2008. Um, but, you know, while I was going to school, I was doing uh, the software engineering thing. And uh, when I came out, I started a company called Elephant Head Software, which uh, is a contract software engineering firm for hire. Um, we put out 35 different... Uh, product lines in uh, about six years using a team of like 30 people and, uh, um, and that was over 55 different apps and then um, I got into this thing called uh, EO uh, which is entrepreneur organization and I was going to talk about people who are creating companies that had bottom or triple uh, sorry a double or uh, triple bottom line and um, it was an interesting idea to me because what I had realized was the way the game was set up for these companies was that they had some sort of social or environmental impact or both that was measurable um, along with their bottom line. And really, you know, the, the help uh, for the for the uh, for the company is the fact that the games were set up so that everyone wins. Mm-hmm. Right. They make money for doing good. And um, so about a year later. Uh, I walked away from Elephant Head Software and I started Elephant Learning. Um, and <clears throat> basically it's a math academy for children ages 2 through 16. On average, children in our system learn a year and a half of math over the course of three months when they use our system just 30 minutes per week. Um, it's a gamification of a proven curriculum. So what we do is we look at the latest, at, uh, latest early age education research and we take the most effective activities for teaching math ideas and we combine it with 
uh, powerful adaptation algorithms that are able to quickly keep up with your child and identify where they are. And uh, so between the two, um, it's an extremely effective product. And that's basically what we're setting out to do uh, because the math, math problem in America sort of needs something something effective to address it. Okay, awesome. Um, that's a lot. That's awesome. Um, just a little bit about me so that you can um, get a sense. Um, I'm in my first semester of a master's program right now in applied math at a, a, a California college. Um, I graduated in December with my bachelor's in pure math. And that took me six and a half years. I did the community college route, uh, spent four years at a, a local community college. Um, and I actually didn't start as a math major. I started as a philosophy major. And then I jumped from the philosophy to political science, then to economics. And then since I got to economics, I'm like, okay, I have to take math now. So I started taking the math courses. Um, even though I took calculus in high school, um, I didn't know enough to test into calculus, so I started in pre-calc, and then around calc two is when I made the switch officially. Um, and that was after I had seen there's a there was a professor at this community college who was really big into undergraduate research, and. Uh, he had a he had a class that just you researched an unsolved problem and then you presented the problem and if you wanted to try and solve it he would help you um, but that wasn't a requirement you just had to give a presentation um, and I hated my first research topic I found it super boring um, and geometrical and I'm not a big geometry person um, and so he said, if you can find a different topic, I'll let you present on it. And I found I was Googling stuff and I'd only taken Calc 1 at this point. And so there, were, I, I feel like if I had known more, I wouldn't have tried to research what I picked. Um, I decided to go into fractal geometry and chaos and like measure theory um, without knowing what any of those things were. And... Um, so, so I guess my naivety of it, uh, sort of helped me out there. Um, uh, but since I was able to see all this math that I probably wouldn't have been exposed to until much later on, um, I just like, well, okay, this, if this is what I can get to, then I, this is the degree I want. Um, so I finished the pure math degree, um, didn't like algebra enough to continue pure math. Um, and I d discovered, uh, mathematical biology and, um, a lot more of the computational math, and that just seemed way more interesting. Nonlinear uh, ODEs and such. Um, so I decided to make the switch to applied, and I'll probably do the PhD in mathematical bio if I get the chance. Um, I'll, hoping it, it's been six and a half going on seven years now, so hopefully I have the endurance to stick it out for a PhD, um, <laughs> which will just tack on another six and a half to seven. Um but, well, what's your goal? Um, the idea of being a professor has always been something super appealing to me. Um, but now I'm looking at um, it's now becoming a less a less appealing idea just because I don't know where education is going to go or especially college education. It could there's a lot of shifts that I feel like could happen by the time I get to that point. 
Um, so I'm looking at um, data science is a huge thing I'm looking at. Um, doing it for data, the data science end on medical research. Um, any Probably anything in the medical field that I could do use my math skills in is something that I'm interested in. Um, but I do feel this pull towards math education. Um, so I'm trying to balance those two out somehow. Um, that's part of why I started the, the podcast. Um, I wanted to do, I wanted to do it after I graduated and had all my degrees and I'm like, okay, well that way I'll have some authority and stuff. Um, but I figured if I start now, I can always get better. And then at least I have started. Um, and well, who's your audience? Um, it's anyone who's willing to learn. That's I, I try to keep it in. A, I try to keep it more historical than mathematical. Um, trying to teach math from a historical perspective as opposed to as uh, the standard um, way that it's taught in a classroom or something. That way, it's just fifteen minutes of math, but it's told through the history of it and through its stories and through the mathematicians themselves. Um, and it, so the first 12 episodes are more of that, so just things that I found interesting. That's kind of an older crowd, maybe like a grad student crowd. Is that what it is? Um, it could, there's, some of them are, um, I've had a, a lot of people reach out to me that have, they graduated high school and that was the highest level of math that they saw, but they found the show and they found it, they find it interesting. Um, so I've had a, a wide variety of people with educational backgrounds um and listening and enjoying it um so it's mainly it's, it's mainly professors and and uh i don't know what the word is i want to say intelligentsia but i don't know if that's the real word um, um i don't know I don't, I don't know what to call them either um i think they just people that let they at some point they knew they liked math because otherwise you wouldn't be looking up a math podcast um, and then at some point something well, happened for them to stop. They're interested in intelligent things. Yeah, in, they're interested right? in. They might be listening to NPR. Yeah, but that kind of that kind of an audience. Yeah, probably. So yeah. look, I mean, what you want to do is you want to you want to probably just get guests that um, that audience would like, and then your credibility matters kind of less. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's been something I've been I've been working on. It's only been like a year and a half. Um, this past year has been, cons has been the more consistent year. The first year was a bit trying to do it while in school and stuff. And so it was, it was hard to balance the writing and the recording and all of that while being a full-time student and full-time working. Um, but I got smart over the summer and wrote an entire season out ahead of time. So that made it easier. Um, and at, when, at that point I took it a more historical approach. And so I was just going through math starting at day one mesopotamia egypt and i'm just following math where it went geographically and then as a subject also so right now it's the middle of ancient greece and geometry um and then it'll um then i'll go to china and india um do some back to arithmetic and number theory sort of stuff um so really it's a math history thing um, yeah, I'm trying to do math. Like I'm, I do put real math in there. Um, but it is, it is more history than be, it, I, I found that trying to get real yeah, math no, across look, is mean, hard. The math in there is going to be fun, right? I mean, you don't yeah. want to, uh, I mean, once they've heard the story, they want to understand, they, they want to understand the problem. They want to understand the solution. Exactly. Right? So. Exactly. So it, it just, it found it, I found it harder to do, um, like 
um, good quality episodes that were math that I feel I was able to explain it thoroughly um, under the restriction of just an audio platform. Um, so I figured a, a more historical approach was probably the, an easier one for me to create also. Um, that way I can create it more consistently and then also easier for people who maybe don't have the math background to at least get excited about it. Um, well, math history is different than than uh, than mathematics, yeah. right? So, like, yeah. it's, a, it's a broader audience. You're going to find a bunch of mathematicians, obviously, that yeah. would be interested in hearing the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, a, it's a little bit broader in, in the fact that you're already seeing the audience. I mean, if you've already got an audience, Honestly, I would just tailor a show to them. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm doing my best. It's been. It's just been. It's been a lot well, with how this. Well, how do you how do you have your audience? Do you know, like, is it email or they subscribe? Like, do you know anything about them? Um, I or have where them. Where do you get the data from? Kind of story. Um, so I use Anchor as my uh, hosting platform, um, and it's the. And they do all the analytics and everything like that for for me. Um, and they're the ones that uh, do the distribution. Um, and then I... Excuse me, do you have their email addresses or something? Um, no, I, I do. I have a Facebook group that uh, they can be on. Um, I'm in the process of creating the website and the email address bank and all that stuff. Um, Got it. So I, I figured... I, I started... Maybe, maybe honestly, that's your first step. Yeah. Um, just let me tell you, let me tell you a little bit where I'm coming from. Yeah. So that it doesn't feel like, yeah. Um, so uh, I found this tool the other day where you can put in email addresses and they'll tell you like what the demographics are. Hmm. Um, so like, for example, uh, sorry, it's called Tower Data. It's Tower Data. So if you go to Tower Data, and they also have an API, so theoretically, if you wanted to, you could do it live somewhere, but I don't think that's useful necessarily. Um, but, like, we had some survey results, mm -hmm. for example, and maybe a survey is probably the best thing to do, right? Because ultimately, like, the content game is about figuring out your audience, yeah, right? And then, and then sending the messages that's going to resonate with them. I mean, unless you're, like, extremely passionate, right, about the math history thing. Which and, and you might be able to find a way to make it fit, right? You might be able to find a way to make it fit better, right? You could tailor, right? But the the idea is, basically, if you can understand who's in your audience and what they want to hear, maybe through survey, you start telling it back to them. So now you're resonating them. Yeah. It, it becomes a little bit more of the echo bubble, but it's effective. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um. So, um, how did what was uh. How, how did your transition from academia to business go? Because I know that's going from PhD and probably some, maybe even a master's and stuff, that transition. Academia is, is a bubble. And th trying to, th especially like for myself, trying to think of myself in a non-academic setting, it seems like a, feels like a strange thing. Um, how did, how did that transition go for you or um, what made it easier? Well, that's a good question. So, um, you know, when I was young, uh, my my parents uh, they own motels, mm -hmm. and so like the the people kind of around me uh, were always kind of talking business. And you know, I really viewed business as just a different type of problem to be solved. So like, 
Um, I didn't go to business school per se, mm-hmm. right? But I spent a lot of time watching CNBC. Mm-hmm. And um, the way I kind of viewed it was that, and, and I mean, it's useful, and I kind of have gone back and done some of this, so I'm not um, saying anything negative. But the way I, I viewed it was kind of like, well, what's happening in business school is you're reading these case studies of pre- people who have solved problems in the past, and you're using that as a as a way of kind of building up a a, a tool base, right? Yeah. A mental tool base of like ways to solve a problem. Whereas what I'm doing here is I'm looking at problems that have never been solved before, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure out how uh, how can I solve them, which. Theoretically, I should be able to transfer over, which ultimately the most innovative companies, um, the most innovative companies just kind of end up doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so I never really kind of viewed it as two different things. Um, so I came out of the PhD program, uh, and I was already kind of working as a contract software engineer. Okay. And, um, and I mean, there's, it's just a low barrier of entry to this to this thing. I mean, next thing I know, I'm an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing I know is I got way too much work uh, for me, and I was I was even supposed to be on vacation when this happened. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the the next thing I know is I'm I'm pitching uh, the guy that oh you know what you should let me hire some people and I'll vouch for them. And I mean, but you know I had enough credibility, uh, and so it was even surprising to me. Right? How quickly the answer was yes. I mean, he didn't even have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, right? Like, why should I pay you to build a UI? You have a PhD in math. You'll go get me a UI guy, and right? Yeah. You solve the main problem, and we just need to go from prototype to implementation. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, uh, I think that. Uh, I mean, there's people in these PhD programs, they want to become professors. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some of them want to go out and get a job. Um, and I guess it depends on the kind of lifestyle you, you want to end up living. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I asked you kind of early on, what was your goal? Because, um, you know, I'm just trying to get a sense of like, do you, do you know what you want? And, um, so like, at, yeah, I mean, at that point, my goal became, can I make money? Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think, I think, uh, uh, the guy that I was working for, uh, as I was graduating, um, he had, he had some influence in this, um, cause I was talking to him and I'm saying, you know, like the math, the math things that I go to, they're like this. And what he said to me, and I, I don't know, like, where this podcast is going to be aired again, but I'm just going to say yeah. it the way it said. That's okay. And if you want, we can record it a different way. Um, what he said to me was, listen, you know, what I found is that you could be in academia and it's kind of a expletive measuring contest over who's smarter, or you could be in business and it's a expletive measuring contest on who has more money. Yeah. You just got to pick the, you, you got to pick your evil at this point. Mm-hmm. So he, he had said that to me maybe a year before I started my own thing and I kind of, I kind of got it. Right. Like, yeah. So it became about making money. I was like, can I? Can I build something to make money? Yeah, I was able to do it. And then, I mean, once you've done it, now the question is, is what's the next problem that I can solve, right? Because yeah. I think maybe the big difference between 
say your academic player and your your um you know your typical business player right yeah i I think the difference between the academic and them is is you know our our motivation just kind of intrinsically to i mean from the choices we were making right mm-hmm. like oh yeah no i'll I'll sit here for another eight years and get a PhD. Yeah. Why did I do that? I don't know. <laughs> right? I mean, but, um, I mean, extremely useful in what I do now. Like, unbelievably useful. Yeah. Uh, the, like, but at the same time, right? I mean, uh, if, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing right now, w- would that time have been worth it? So I don't know. It, it's hard. It's difficult questions to ask. Um, and, and it just kind of depends on, on where you want to be and what you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, I mean, the way, the way I built my game was, um, I said, I like being in business. I don't like having so many people. I like having certain people around me. Can I build a business where, where the people, the people around me get it and they want to do what I'm doing, which is, uh, what we did was we, we made the vision. Mm-hmm changed the way the world teaches mathematics, we made the mission, empower children with math. With the idea being, if I can empower enough children with mathematics, then people will turn their head and they will change the way they teach mathematics. The question is, can I can I change the way society is teaching mathematics because it's more effective than this? Well, so, um, leading it, so what then, what was the thought process of, like, when you went from software engineering to a math education was was uh like when along that route did did that vision happen did i want to empower kids through math um was that like was that like an always thing you just well, now's the time to do it or did that happen along the way no that happens along the way i mean uh for and i mean this is going to sound very familiar right mm-hmm. this is exactly what mathematicians do, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to identify with it. First, uh, I saw, I, I saw the presentation, the, the, the talk by this guy about the, about his triple bottom line company. I saw how the game was built. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just tell you about that so that you can understand um, a little bit better on where I'm coming from. So the company is Plastic Bank and um, basically it's a $200 million company. What they do is is the guy has seen on television uh, that there's plastic out in the Pacific Ocean the size of Texas. Mm-hmm. And he said, there's no way that's not worth money. I just have to find a way to monetize it. So the plan he devised is people in India will pick up the plastic as it washes ashore, and they will deposit it in the plastic bank at two cents a pound. And it just turns out at two cents a pound, they're able to pick up more than they would earn in the shops that day. So there's this economic, societal mm-hmm. impact that they're having over there. Um and they're able to recycle it at nine cents, is I think what he said. And so, like, they have this spread. And um, a, and on top of that, they have a measurable environmental impact, right? Because mm-hmm. they're, they're paying out on the amount of plastic that's being pulled out of the ocean yeah. that they're able to recycle. Um, so from there, I mean, I started watching the news. I mean, is there is there a problem out there right now um, that can be solved? Um, I would see things like, uh, you know, all, all of this stuff about the prison population, which is just depressing, right? And I would try to think in my mind, like, 
well, how could I solve this problem, mm-hmm. right? Using business somehow, right? And then one day, uh, you know, uh, an ex-professor of mine comes along and he's talking to me uh, about what they're doing. And they even contacted with us for a little while. And, um, and, and they're math games is mm-hmm. what it is, yeah. math games. And I, and I go to him and I say, uh, he's got a National Science Foundation um, grant that he's trying to apply for, mm-hmm. right? So he says, I want to partner. We need to partner with the business to qualify for the National Science Foundation grant. We need to build a business out of it. Mm-hmm. So I start talking to him and I say, look, uh, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. And I understand, right, that a lot of people apply for these grants. They don't have a really serious, you know, um, goal of actually being in business. They're looking to get $250,000 and build some technology. Um, but, you know, I, you know, if I'm going to do this, right, I got to consider it and, and take it seriously, mm-hmm. right? That's what I got to do. So you got to, you got to explain to me how are we going to sell these math games? And, um, he says to me, well, let's go to the schools, right? There's all this money in Title One. I don't know about that, right? And I, but all I do know is that the school game, it's the game I just got out of, right? It's a relationship business. Um, you got to have relationships with, frankly, people I don't have relationships with. Mm-hmm. And, um, gosh, it's a strong, it's like a big mountain to climb. Yeah. He's, he's telling me they want uh, research papers. They want this. They want that. Of course they do. They got 10 to 100 emails a day banging down their door with with stuff that's going to say a lot of the same stuff that I'm saying. Yeah. Right? Or I'm, I'm about to say. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, Alvaro, I'm not buying it. Right? And I don't think we can sell this to kids. Right? I mean, I don't, I don't know a kid in math class that wanted to be there. Yeah. So... Right. I mean, like I, like I TA for quite a while. I don't remember any of them wanting to be there. Maybe one or two, right? Like that doesn't sound like a good market to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's what he tells me. He says four out of five students start kindergarten unprepared for the kindergarten curriculum. So that's really hard to believe. Albert. You tell me, like, how, how is that even possible? Yeah. He says, well, um, he says, uh, uh, that a parent thinks counting to 10 is the child saying 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Mm-hmm. The school thinks counting to 10 is, um, give me 10 things. The child slides over 10 things and stops at 10. There's a big difference. And mm-hmm. anyone who's had a three or four year old will tell you, yeah, I mean, there's a big difference between them saying the numbers and them understanding what those numbers are. Mm-hmm. And the parents, tangibly able to see it it's just they don't know what to do mm-hmm. and even at the time as he was telling me this i'm thinking like you know i had my child on the way i was like what could i do and i i wasn't coming up with anything on the spot mm-hmm. so the story goes on he says four out of five children start kindergarten unprepared for the kindergarten curriculum so they don't understand the language of the numbers um no one fails kindergarten no one fails first grade no one fails second grade yeah so typically these kids keep getting moved on. They, they take on memorization as a strategy. It turns out the preschool math scores predict third grade, uh, third grade reading scores better than preschool reading scores. Mm-hmm. So the preschool math predicted how the child read at third grade better than 
you know, better than reading. Meaning that, like, just, you know, the exercise that they're getting for their mind there by doing these things is important. Um, and then uh, the preschool math scores predicted fifth grade overall scores, meaning it wasn't just math affected, all scores were affected. Mm-hmm. So I asked them, I said, you know, this is also, you know, really hard to believe, right? This is, doesn't make a lot of sense to me at the time. you got to explain to me how this is possible. So he says to me, and it's exactly what I just told you now, he says, you know, like when a child has to give you 10 things, they have to hold the number 10 in their head and remember to stop on it. Yeah. Right? And that is kind of like chewing gum and walking for the first time. It is exercise for your brain. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, problem solving, you're using your, you're using your active memory, you're using your visualization skills. Like, for example, if I'm imagining what one of the, my objects might look like, right, in my PhD program, you're probably imagining, uh, you know, the equations or the, the, you know, like whatever you're playing with in your head. Yeah. So, I mean, these, these things, um, these things are building different aspects of our mental capability. Um, and it's exercise there, right? Yeah. Like if you think about it, it's kind of like going to the gym for your mind, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. I'm just exercising my active memory and like my visualization and my problem solving. And, and I'm doing that for the purpose of solving this, this random thing that no one knows the answer to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Or maybe you do know the answer and you're trying to figure out what this stuff means. But yeah. Um, the second reason is that as a society, we do have math anxiety and mm-hmm. we do have uh, a social problem. It's like, I think less than it used to be around mathematics where someone might say, I'm just not a numbers person. Yeah. And the problem is, is that as soon as you're not a numbers person, well, uh, Well, maybe I'm not just, I'm just not a history person. I'm just not a social studies person, right? I mean, once it's okay, once the integrity of the, of, of what elementary school actually means goes away. Yeah. uh, It's easy for it to slip on, on everything. So, I mean, this becomes sadder because fifth grade math scores predict how you do in eighth grade. Eighth grade math scores predict whether you drop out of high school. Um, 75% of high school students are not proficient at high school math and, um, and 69% of STEM majors switch to a major with less math, mm-hmm. which I think is heartbreaking because here you got a child who their entire life has been told you can grow up to be anything you want in yeah. the United States of America. And it was absolutely true at that point in time. Um, and it still happens to be true even as they're older. It's just whether they're going to they're going to do something about it or not. Yeah. Um, but like they get to say physics and they say, well, gosh, this is all mathematics and I hate mathematics. Mm -hmm. And, and this is happening just as, you know, marketing and data is permeating almost all of business because automation is, I mean, it's basically taking over, right? Yeah. More well-informed decisions are better than uninformed decisions. So, um, even business, uh, I'm being told from the professors over there is so mathematically driven that many of their students are switching and everyone's basically moving to humanities, which, um, economically they, the salary is capped 
right now is below national average. So it's, I think 50,000 top side for, for someone in, in one of those professions and, um, and national average or eh, national average is maybe 53. So, so it, I mean, it, it's an entire generation of people who, mm-hmm. um, were told you can grow up to be anything you want. Uh, went into college thinking that they were going to get a great desk job. Yeah. Right. And now, and now it pays more to be a truck driver. It's just, it's, it's yeah. messed up. Right. It's, it's a messed up situation. And, and they got, and they got student loans. Yeah. To, to, to back it, to boot it. So yeah, I mean, it's tough out there. Yeah. It's, it's a tough economy. It's a tough world right now. And, and, um, and it just turns out that had, these basic concepts, concepts that these, that these people are using every single day, mm-hmm. right? They don't maybe see it. They don't maybe think about it. I don't, that's for sure. I mean, I have to at this point, yeah. but I don't. But like, for example, uh, this is a story I like to tell. Um, I have uh, a guy who, who used to work in my yard and, and um, if, if I gave him the wrong number of 20s, he'd know. Yeah. But he was he couldn't read. We drove to the dump once, and uh, I said, take a ride on Dartmouth, and he blew right past Dartmouth, and I'm like, dude, what the hell? And he's like, I, I don't read, remember? And I'm like, oh, my God, right? I Okay, we'll take a U. We got to go back. Yeah. But, like, he doesn't read, but he can multiply. Mm-hmm. He, he can't read, but he can multiply. So I guarantee you, we're using this every single day. We just don't know we're using it. We figured it out. It's yeah. just if we would have learned it at a time when it could have made a difference, the trajectory of our life would have been different. Yeah. The trajectory of our life would have been different. And that's, that's, uh, that's real change from an economic perspective. And mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of what it, what we're after because this all actually happens completely along income lines. Um, it's four out of five students. It's the bottom 80%. The top 20% can afford to send their children to preschool. So their children come in prepared for the kindergarten curriculum. Um, so, so you're trying to change math education from the outside, from a entrepreneurial business point of view. If you were to, like, if you had the ability to change it from the inside, um, to change the curriculum, um, do you have an idea of what that, like, what a, what your curriculum would be if you were in charge of, like, let's say, just say high school math, just to narrow it down. Well, I mean, I haven't thought about what it would be from high school math. I mean, I think uh, we've, uh, again, we cover from counting through algebra. I think mm-hmm. the real issue is high school math is quite literally, I mean, it's algebra one, then algebra two, then you got geometry, which is just algebra. Then you got trigonometry, which is algebra again. Then you got pre-calculus. And I mean, really what's happening here is the old philosophy for teaching mathematics. Mm-hmm is literally just do it and then do it and then do it and then do it and then do it. And if we're very, very lucky, somewhere in this cycle of you doing it over and over and over again, you finally get it uh-huh. and you pop out of that loop. And this is why, I mean, ultimately, it's ineffective, right? Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I'm I, going to assume that you've seen the other chart that I'm, I'm going to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. So like, it was four out of five students by income, income range, right? The other chart was, outcomes from kindergarten to uh, 12th grade, uh, 
based on income range. It was five lines, and it was just five lines straight across. Yeah. People who entered our education system in the upper percentiles mm-hmm. exited at the upper percentiles. So the education system works if everyone can understand the teacher. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem. We don't have that. And so at a fundamental level, and I think, I mean, for math education people, they, they know this. When I say this, they say that they know it, but I, I just, I don't know if they thought about it because mm-hmm. sometimes uh, the feedback I get is is a little bit awry. Um, so you have to understand the word. The, the example that I like to give is like, if you or I went into a third year biochem course, yeah. The professor, the professor would be speaking English, but we wouldn't understand anything they say. They have a lot of jargon that if we learn, we could understand. Yeah. Mathematics is just jargon. Yeah. Right? And the issue is just that the child is not getting the jargon. The, the problem is, is that it's so fundamental that, you know, and, and it's not, it's not something that's easily describable, right? So it's like the other example I like to give is imagine defining red to a three-year-old. Yeah. In fact, look it up in the dictionary and write just for fun. Yeah. It literally says light of nanometer or whatever. And I'm like, holy smokes, right? Like, yeah. There is no definition for red. There's only can you show someone red and can you say red with the red brain and have them finally catch on that, oh, you mean the color is red. Yeah. Right? And that's what we do with our children, right? So, I mean, the fundamental issue is this. So, like, and we see it every day, right? We see that they've memorized, again, right? Like, if before this project, if uh, my child would have come to me and said, seven times eight is 56. Okay, yeah. you're good to go, right? But it's really, well, if I gave them seven rows of eight things. Yeah. Would they have to count to get 56 or would they know that that's seven times eight and yeah. say it's 56 immediately, right? And we see this even in our system, right? Like we see this confusion in the parent because they might email us and they might say, the kids don't like it when there's a curtain. Well, that's when we use the curtain. We use the curtain when we say, okay, but now they have to make the leap from either adding or counting to actually multiplying, uh-huh. right? Actually recognizing that, I can use multiplication to solve this problem. And, you know, if they've already got their timetables memorized and they make that realization at that point in time, guess what? The curriculum becomes instantly easy for them after that. Mm-hmm. And they, and they go, they go right on to the next idea. Right. Um, <clears throat> do you see as like, as things becoming uh, more automated and everything, um, how far do you think, tech and education are going to overlap and still be like, do you think like automation will fully take over the education system as well? Or do you like how, f- how much of a overlap do you think I there's going to be? Look, there's, there's, there's also needing to learn how to live in a society. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Like if, mm-hmm. if, if we wanted to, I think you're right. I think we could take all of the important elementary ideas maybe even middle school ideas and, and try to gather them up and 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 build a build a, a, a system of, out of it. I think the issue really is, is that 
there needs to be experiences. And mm-hmm. that's actually what we're offering, right? So, and I think this might be the problem, right? Maybe this is, I'm sorry, not the problem, but maybe this is uh, an area where people maybe misunderstand what we do. Uh-huh. Um, we actually provide children those math experiences that maybe the parent doesn't have time to offer them. Uh-huh. That's really what the issue is, right? So, for example, give me five things. Give me four more things. How many do I have now? Okay, the student can count to get the answer, but they're playing with the problem. Yeah. They're playing with the problem, and it's something that we do at graduate level, me and you, right? Yeah. It's something we do at graduate level. They put the definitions on the board, and then we play with it. It actually turns out that the way they teach upper-level mathematics is the way we should be teaching all all mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you see this, how much do you think this is as a, um, as a teachers aren't, let me try to phrase this right so I'm not bashing on teachers. Um, <laughs> um, I, I don't, I don't think teachers are doing a bad job. I just think yeah. that they're, they're completely not equipped to oh. solve the issue at hand. Yeah, that's right? what I was So if you yeah. think about it, right? It's hard enough to do this one-on-one with the student, right? Yeah. I can do it because I know my curriculum inside out. Yeah. Right? But if I was, right? But if I was just, again, a mathematician, software developer, whatever, three years ago, and you said to me, can you figure out what this child understands and doesn't understand? Yeah. I wouldn't even know what you were talking about, to be honest with you, right? And I mean, that, that's really, that's really kind of the problem, right? So mm-hmm. to be able to do that, number one, which I believe they're getting training on. Uh, the latest teaching training, teacher training material I've seen um, does go over this stuff. They're being told it left and right. But the second part of this problem is, is that you end up having to do that one-on-one. There is no way to do that one-on-thirty, right? Especially because you're sitting in a room and everyone wants to get the answer right. So as soon as someone says the right answer, everyone's going to say the right answer whether or not they actually have the understanding that goes behind it. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it has to be done one-on-one. Yeah. Class sizes are only getting larger. Teachers only have so much time. They're putting their own money into this stuff, Yeah. which is insane. Uh, they're working more hours than are required of them. They're exhausted. And, I mean, it's just... Uh, uh, and, 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 and to make matters worse... I, what I've heard is that what Common Core actually does is it is it, it puts money in the teacher's pocket around math scores. Wow. So, like, uh, if the goal is not to teach the test, but that's the reward, I, just, I mean, that's yeah. confusing. Yeah. That's a confusing situation to be in. Yeah. I mean, look, the, pro- the problem is bigger, right? Uh-huh. And, I mean, it's even worse because Common Core has removed so many parents from uh, the equation. Yeah. And... And every education research uh, professional knows that when the parent is involved, the outcome is much, much more likely. Uh So really what we did was we said, let's approach the parents and let's give them a tool that makes them as good as me or Alvaro. Uh We will tell you exactly what your children understand. We'll tell you exactly what we're trying to do. And we can tell you exactly what you should be trying to do outside of our system to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. 
Awesome. Um, do you have any, um, just maybe just a few more minutes before I have to head off to work and stuff. Um, do you have any like current research that you're working on, um, whether on the education side or maybe if you dabble in the, in, in, uh, research, math research at all, um, still you talk about that. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, look, when you're, when you're engaged in a, in a, in a mission like I'm yeah. involved in here, multitasking, uh, starts to dwindle. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you kind of want to have a lot of focus, but at the same time, running a business requires diversion of focus. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, right now I'm focused on team building. Okay. Um, I'm focused on, um, everything that entails, which I mean, quite a bit. And I'm also focused on figuring out what technology um, empowers my team next, mm-hmm. right? So, so I, I don't know, like, if the, if the idea is to go back to education research, we sort of already know the answer here. I mean, yeah. uh, I'll just be 100% honest with you. I, and I mean, this might be good for your show. I was, I was on a call with a guy named Kyle Pierce. Mm-hmm. And he's running a podcast. I mean, he vehemently disagreed that what we do is even possible. Huh. And, and I get it, right? I, I get, like he was saying, well, you, can you prove causality? I'm like, I, I'm well beyond proving causality at this point. I mean, what, what does it do for me? Yeah. Right? There's an academic, uh, method of, attacking this problem and it reminds me of this joke that my advisor once told me which i think is perfect because i think it just describes the situation perfectly Mm -hmm. it was um what's the difference between a mathematician an engineer and a fireman Mm -hmm. the mathematician or i guess the fireman actually puts out the fire right the engineer calculates the precise amount of water the fireman would need to use to put out the fire. And the mathematician says, put water on it. And now that the problem's solved, they walk away. Mm-hmm. And what's happening here is like, okay, well, look, we already know the most effective way to teach mathematics. It's just that no one is out there actually trying to do it mm-hmm. in an effective manner. And yes, maybe I could go waste my time uh, proving causality here. And I call it a waste of time because again, as opposed to, for example, making sure that the customer experience is good, mm-hmm. right? Making sure that like everyone is coming through our system and being successful, analyzing that kind of data, right? Figuring out how to improve it, which is what I literally told them. I said, look, I mean, I could do that or I could continue to improve what I have here, which is ultimately what I want to do because ultimately, if you paid me the money and I gave you the result, the causality doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? If your child now understands mathematics, if they don't have math anxiety, if they're going to go through, unlike 80% of the rest of the children around them, mm-hmm. right? That's a miracle. Yeah. And you paid me $35 for it. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to be greedy about it. I know that if I provide you the result, uh-huh. You're going to come to me and you're going to buy it. Mm-hmm. It's, some, it's what everybody needs right now. 
can you imagine what our society would be like if if we graduated people who understood this language? I mean, would would the politicians, would the business people be able to understand our scientists better? Yeah. Right? Would we have people working to solve issues rather than just arguing about it? I, I was literally told by someone the other day on, on Facebook that, like, oh, no, the issue with climate change is that people are unaware of it. Really? People are unaware of it? I don't think that's the issue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay? I think everyone knows about it, and I think that student who's out there holding the sign about climate change yeah. should actually be in school learning how to fix the problem. Yeah. Focus on how do I fix this problem. If everyone in the world just sat down and decided to be the change that they want to see in the world, mm -hmm. what kind of a difference would that make? Yeah. Well, I think that's a great way to end it. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so I, I got to head off to work in just a bit. So um, thank you for uh, taking some time out of your day for this. I want to thank you all again for listening. I know this was a different kind of episode, but I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to hear more episodes like this where I bring on experts and talk about various things in mathematics, let me know on Twitter or on Facebook. Hope to see you here again.